Hey there, welcome to the Creative Metaverse Podcast, formerly known as the Game Artist Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline, and I'm the CEO of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing creatives and artists working in film, games, and building the metaverse right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. All right, I am excited to share this interview with John Foster with you. John came in and he was talking to my students at the Game Artist Boot Camp. And we really dive into the psychology of being an artist. We talk about the imposter syndrome. And we talk about the kind of wayward, non-linear path that gets many of us creatives where we are in our lives. You can't always tell from the beginning what the end is going to look like. You know, my high school counselor told me, look, you're not graduating high school, and then walked away from me. He didn't give a shit about me and my life and what I was going through, and here I am today talking to tens of thousands of people. You might have people passing judgment on you, thinking they know exactly where you're going to end up, but being true to you, finding the power inside yourself, putting in the time that's necessary, and really looking for your own unique voice is going to take you where you want to go. And you know that, I know that. So sit back, relax, let's get to the interview. Let's get this party started. Thank you, John. All right. <laughs> All right. So I got a little bit of a cold, so you'll have to excuse my sniffles. But guys, I want you to welcome John Foster. John um, has been in the industry for quite a bit, concept art and, uh, and a whole slew of things. And uh, hopefully we're going to really dig into his work and into his process and, and, um, and some of his thinking. Uh, and, you know, some of the things that he's kind of picked up along the way. Uh, but either way, John has just had an, an amazing career. Like I, I've looked at this work and I've, I've been aware of John for a long time. So first off, thank you so much, John, for being here and for taking the time. Sure. My my pleasure. I, thank you for inviting me. Yeah. So tell me. Um, thank you for the nice intro. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, um, what do you do now? Why don't you just fill us in on what you're doing now? Um. Uh, I uh, still, still basically the same thing. Uh, the freelancing mm -hmm. uh, illustration, mostly, most of my work has been book cover work, mm -hmm. uh, science fiction, fantasy, young adult, a lot of young young adult, whimsical, magic, fantasy kind of stuff. Um, then, uh, but every once in a while, I was fortunate enough to branch out and do some editorial work, but more like the National Geographic stuff, <clears throat> and. Um, and scientific American, which I really enjoy um, being able to switch things up. And, uh, and so it's not all just the, the book covers or, I mean, a, a lot of the work started in the comic books and then the, then the uh, paperbacks and uh, novels and um, then the, then the more like the National Geographic Scientific American. And then I did, you know, I have had a chance to do, I've worked in some, uh, a gaming studio, small movie studio, and then yeah. also do stuff for uh, contract work for HBO and uh, well, subcontract through Garson U, uh, U and Company for like the uh, intro uh, thing for the leftovers, yeah. some stuff for MPV. But so it's all over the place. But most of it really is uh, book uh, book cover. That's great. So why don't we throw some artwork up so people know um, who you are, what you do. Do you have an art station or do you, where do you? I have, I have um, some, uh, let's see, uh, the presentation here and we can, we, there's a bunch here, but we can go through it okay. faster and slower. Mm -hmm. um, kind of, kind of in the beginning, this was actually uh, early on, uh, yeah. the beginning of the career. It's one of the things that got me, got some interest and got jobs for me. Uh -huh. um, and then uh, these are some of the earlier pieces. And uh, even early on, I started uh, in my career, I was painting with oils and then using digital uh, Photoshop to do a lot of finishing. There's a lot of Photoshop in this one. Right. Um, but these go back about 20 years ago. And um, but so those were all well, book cover, except for that robot piece, which is a personal piece. Um, this was some of the stuff for that small movie studio. It was in Italy, and they, we were making a, a film on 
it was going to be a 3D animated or computer animated uh, film on Anne Frank. And I was doing some concept work and some storyboard work. Mm -hmm. um, I worked at Turbine Games for a few months. Oops, let me just turn that off, sorry. Yeah, no for a few months doing environment kind of concept stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the advertising work, this, this is more recent that this was, you know, uh, doing jobs you love and then doing jobs that you don't particularly love. It's all kind of part of the game at times. Mm. Um, and trying to convince yourself that you're enjoying it in some way or another. Cause this actually is a, was goes on a bus stop it was in, in Russia beyond bus stops um, in uh, for friskies treats, whiskers or whatever. So cat treats. <laughs> oh, I forgot about doing a, it's like a matte painting for a, a McDonald's commercial. Well, it was like an online uh, commercial. Yes. And uh, some of that kind of advertising work, the National Geographic work, some of it. Um, this was early for me getting started was doing a lot of role-playing game books, uh, the interiors. That that would be like 20 years ago before the, the getting the book covers. And uh -huh. this isn't quite sequential um, or chronological uh, in terms of this, but this was a tons and tons of this stuff that, you know, got me, got me in good with the art director and I enjoyed doing the work. Um, it didn't pay very well, but, I wasn't working towards the pay scale. I was working towards just the best I could do. And uh, and then some cover work would come after like this later on for yeah. Dragon Magazine. And this was oils. Actually, this one was finished digitally, but I actually finished it in oils after that too. Oh, how'd you talk to me about that? You paint it digitally and then you do the whole thing over again in oil or... Well, I did know I painted it in oils and it was mostly done about 80% done in yeah. the oil, but, uh, the carps on the, the carp pattern on the banner wasn't painted in yeah. and, um, some of the swords weren't painted in. And, uh, so I, I did that digitally. And then, and then after the fact, I wanted to show the painting and see if I could sell it. So I finished it Nice. and, um, yeah, it happens. A bit. This one, um, beginning of some of doing, because I was mostly doing the science fiction fantasy stuff, but then getting into the young adult stuff, which really turned out to be more of my forte than like more hardcore science fiction or fantasy. Okay. Um, so the young adult books, but still, you know, always every once in a while getting something. This was through Wizards of the Coast, their Istrad character. Some of the ed science fiction editorial for Tor.com. And I'm just cruising through these because I can, uh, we'll probably have other things to talk about, but yeah. just to give an idea of the stuff I've done in the comic books, the Star Wars comic books, the DC Vertigo that was Tim Hunter, The Age of Magic. Something I did with Dave Dorman, one of his stories. Um, it was a series, a young adult series uh, at Tor. This was the first National Geographic piece that I did, um, and it was all digital. And, and uh, it, uh, I got my my former my ex-wife is is in there. My friend Lars, also another Lars Grant West, also another uh, fantastic artist. And then all of the people, all of the guys, you know, actually that are caught and probably going to get sacrificed. Are those are all me? Except for I don't look like that, you know. Um, it's one of those things about using reference and, and changing your reference. And uh, it's, a, it's like a starting point, but then right. being able to expand upon it. Nice. These books, come books and books. Buffy. <laughs> Buffy was very difficult to work on, actually, because I'm not very good at likenesses. And they really did want likenesses. So this is some more recent work. And this actually involves a lot of... of past few years more uh zbrush and key shot and working them in because actually uh, all of this was made in zbrush oh wow even the, uh, the, the background or just the, the character the, ba the background the background too and um 
I uh, the the words on was that's all Photoshop and using yeah. Puppet Warp, but but yeah, the shapes. So more Dragon Age poster. So I have gone around, not incredibly far stylistically, but I have gotten an opportunity to to experiment uh, stylistically, and um, which has kept me happy yeah. <laughs> and uh and interested and it's i think it's an important thing and um more there's more recent national geographic this was a cover for scientific american pretty recently uh, going back into some of the other stuff this was just some things are just for fun but i i don't i think there's there's so many in here i'll just kind of cruise through this is great actually to, to sit and walk through this and see kind of you know what you were working on and enforce so this is really great introduction of your work thank you yeah well i sometimes i spend too much time uh especially when you start talking about individual pieces uh, this was for playboy actually so i did i forgot i did there's only one so far for playboy but uh it was the uh it was their idea of all the college football team mascots in a fight club situation. Yeah, it was fun. But I have been able to to experiment compositionally and, you know, a little bit style-wise, but compositionally probably more so uh, with some of the, the art directors. So I've been pretty fortunate that way. Um, but this is the uh, the thing for the leftovers. The uh, It's a massive piece you know most of it was worked on the, the vignettes individually and uh, assembled later because it had has such resolution because they they zoomed in close on it uh -huh. <clears throat> so it it just i had to use that special file prefix in photoshop for files that are i don't know gigabytes <laughs> i remember seeing this actually um when i i can't remember where i was watching leftovers if it was hulu or something like that but i remember seeing this and i was just like oh my god it's just it's just one of the most beautiful intros oh thank you i was i was i was happy uh how it turned out and everything and and garson you and you and company they were they were great and putting it all together in that subtle little animation and the music was of course just beautiful and uh and, uh, but by the way, a lot of this was made in 3D, uh, well, and ZBrush. Yeah. For, for the reference, this was the Teen Wolf uh, promo, a uh, kind of promo poster piece that they used online. Yeah. Um, and uh, some stuff for Sideshow Toys. You know, not not quite as sweet. Other. Other editorial things, Sideshow Toys, again, I do some of the fine art prints that they make, you know, after, you know, mostly it's the collectible statues, but they do sell uh, limited edition prints, and I've done a few of those. I'd say I'm probably most happiest when I'm able to do something more like this, a little bit goofier, um, storytelling-wise, not, not complete realism. Well, this was a little process in terms of some of doing working on thumbnails and, and sketch ideas. It, it didn't happen, but process of thinking about, um, I had to do something for each at that time, each of the movies. And uh, it was gonna be like a DVD box set of the five. So Prometheus being the fifth one. And uh, so each one was, uh, as you see like Alien one, two, three, four. So they were going down, they were different different solutions and going across with trying to keep kind of a family or theme to them. Um, the heads, her head in, uh, in alien four, her and the, and the beast. And then Prometheus, the, 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 uh, navigators or architects. Um, and then the other one trying to keep with themes going across for each. And I had lots of different ones for, Working out, so this here in terms of working out thumbnails and ideas, these are more than thumbnails because they're, they would be at least legible by the art director. But so there is, a, a, you know, a good representation of the work that I've done. That's or great. Do. And, um, That's great. So what, um, tell me about your education because you're spanning the 2D and 3D 
So, uh, and you've been at this game for a bit. So talk to me about your education. Like how'd you, where'd you go to school? Where'd you get started? I went to, well, it, I didn't go to art school right away. I mean, I wasn't a very good, I wasn't a very good high school student and um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I did go to a local college after graduating high school and, but you know, after a year and a half without any real direction, I, I left and, and uh, you know, I was still living at home with my father and, and, you know, he's, he's a military man. He says, that's fine, but you got to get a full-time job and pay a little rent, which wasn't anything terrible, but so it was fine. So worked full-time and for a year and, thought about what I wanted to do and reapplied to schools. And uh, so I reapplied and, and decided to go to, that I wanted to go to art school. I'd always liked art, but I wasn't the, I wasn't the art kid in high school. My art teachers actually hated, well, probably just because I was an obnoxious kid. I mean, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't precocious. I was more just, um, just argumentative kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, so, but I did get, but I, I didn't get into some of the schools. I didn't get into Rhode Island school of design or, or the one that I wanted to, but I got into Parsons in New York, but under academic probation. Um, that's how, you know, not, that's how my portfolio wasn't looking that good and my grades weren't that good, but I went for a semester and I, and then I decided to apply myself. But by that time I was, Oh, 21, 22. And so applying myself, I, uh, I did get on the Dean's list and I didn't, I didn't actually like being in New York. So I reapplied to Rhode Island school of design and got in. And that's where I ended up going to school and finishing. And I graduated around when I was 25. Uh, you know, I was 25. I was in, it was in 89. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but even then, I was not—I was not a stellar student. I wasn't one that was going to go out and get work right away. As a matter of fact, it took me about eight years after graduating before I was working, making a living as an illustrator. And um, and my there was a couple of teachers that there was one teacher that told me I had to work very hard for mediocre results. And it was pretty devastating. That's <laughs> it was pretty devastating. But I guess I had the 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 youthful and willful ignorance or just being able to, you know, look past certain things or a certain, maybe someone else's reality and try to make my own yeah. and stick with it. it. But it did take time too. And, um, and I still sometimes look back and wonder, Oh, you know, I, as many people have the whole, uh, imposter syndrome, mm. uh, feeling, which if you guys aren't familiar with that, it is basically that this you've, it's only been luck that you have had any success that you've had at this, whatever you're doing and people don't know it yet, but they could find out or it'll just come crashing down. You know? uh, I think we're all pretty familiar with that one. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. So I don't know if, they were, if they were familiar with the term, but yeah, it, there is a clinical psychological term for it. Poster syndrome. So, um, so yeah, so and I still, still actually feel that, but um, at times. Uh, so it, it it was even years after. I, I think my career started basically right around when I was thirty three. Yeah, I'm fifty. Okay. I'm fifty. I'm fifty four now, and uh, so it's been a good solid twenty years. That's great. So um, in between t turning twenty five and graduating, and your career starting at thirty one. Must have been uh, a lot of things happening in there. Uh, did you know right away that you wanted to do illustration and and covers and things like that, or? Yeah, no, that's a, actually a great question because when I graduated, I thought I was, I thought I should be an editorial illustrator because that's basically what RISD is. The, the idea of high concept, you know, um, the visual pun, smart illustration uh -huh. was. It's you know. Brad Holland would, is a is a great example of that, right? And um, and there's many, but that but to be an editorial illustrator was what everybody was pushing and thinking in the pinnacle. But I wasn't I wasn't so I tried, but I was rather dark in my work, and and it wasn't that witty uh, in in terms of the visual play that mm -hmm. way. And so I had a reassessment shortly after that, and 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 that's when I started saying, you know, be when I 
when I got interested in art in my teens, I mean, I was interested in art as a young kid, right? You're drawing and, and my mother drew and sketch and had art projects and I would sit down and, and draw with her sometimes. And, and I, so I, you know, was drawing like most everybody since you can remember. Um, but, but the idea of uh, science fiction and fantasy book cover work, you know, when I was in my teens and reading the stuff that, that was there and, and strong, but I kind of put it aside and thought, well, maybe it's juvenile or something like that. Mm. I'll be a more adult editorial illustrator. But then when I just realized that I wasn't going to be an editorial illustrator, maybe I wasn't even that interested. It's like I had to ask myself, what do I really want to do? What was I really getting into art and going to art school for? Mm-hmm. And it was for the comics, the science fiction, fantasy, and and so I started remaking portfolios and going to small sci-fi conventions with very little, very very little success, mm-hmm. if any. And but over the years, trying and uh, um, and and in practicing and practicing and practicing. So that was it. And of course, there were jobs. I worked at an art store, you know, for several years that was the full-time job and then um and then other then that you know the store closed down working as staples and working at a library other kinds of retail jobs and stuff like that to try and make ends meet as as much as you could yeah and uh so you know it was maybe that's why i kept at it it's because i had a lot of jobs i really didn't want to do <laughs> that's nice yeah that works. It was incentive yeah it was incentive uh and so you know, I just, so painting, painting and trying and redoing, it's not like I painted 24 seven. I mean, there were times when I would, there wasn't, you know, the fear in the beginning was a big problem, you know, fear to start the process, fear that you'll be frustrated during the process or feeling like only at the tail end of a painting when it looks like it's coming together and looking good that you can enjoy it. Hmm. That was, that was, it seemed like a mistake. Well, it is in, in retrospect, but it would keep me it would keep me from starting things or procrastinating. Um, and later on, when I did, I, I worked with Rick Barry for a couple of years, you know, just just together in his, his house, you know, just kind of a, a camaraderie thing. And 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 he talked a lot about the process, or, and it was about the process, and the whole process was exploring and finding, and even if it wasn't pretty, you know, through it, but the whole thing was like you're moving, you're moving paint around, colorful mud. If it goes back to being a board, it goes back to being a board. Nothing is really lost. You've learned something, even in something that doesn't seem to be success. And in that, that very first painting was one of the experiments I did. That he he advocated for a, this this painting. He had advocated doing abstract work, and I actually advocate for it too, just playing with media and values and shapes and stuff. But and this was, I was still kind of stuck with wanting to make a painting, So, I'd, but at least it didn't have people in it. It had a robot that I could, could be whatever, right? You know, and it was just about value, very simple values and mo- almost monochromatic in, in shape and playing with that. And it was, this painting was an eye opener. It was, I had fun through the whole thing. And I realized the whole process is what I want to enjoy. And that made a huge difference for me. I still have to remind myself of that nowadays. Um, It's not like that was it and you just go forward and never have that mistake again. But it it is a good reminder. And I try to remind everybody to enjoy the whole process. That's why you're doing it. Yeah, that's a fascinating... Thing to talk about because for many of us, especially, and um, maybe you'll relate to this. Like when we we're first getting ourselves started, there's so much learning, right? It's like we got all the anatomy problems, we got all the, you know, there's just this is wrong, this is wrong. There's a million things that are wrong. So how do you enjoy that process? And is it something that you only enjoy once you've reached a level of mastery, which is what many of us might think? Right, but it's not. It is. It, it, it is at least for me, it, it wasn't, uh, I don't know that I'll ever reach a level of, of mastery. I mean, there it's a, it's an ongoing process. And that, one of the things is being honest with myself and being open to that is the idea that, you know, you don't get to a certain plateau of, or a pinnacle of something and there you are and you just sit and it's yeah. fine. For one, for one thing, you wouldn't want to, you'd be bored. You'd be looking at the next mountain that you could climb. Yeah. Um, the other 
the other thing is it just doesn't work like that. You need to, you lose some things, you gain some things, uh, life changes, you experiment, you know, you, you want to experiment, you, you want to stay actually, you know, part of it is career oriented. You want to stay viable and a little bit on the edge so that you are useful, I guess, to art directors. And the other thing would be, you know, to not, it seems to me that it's almost kind of over if you just have a formula and you stick to that formula and you always get the same results. Right. And then there seems to be no more, no more exploration and, and there's no more surprises and there's no more learning. And I think life is about always learning. And so, I mean, the fact that I have to remind myself to enjoy the process or that, you know, that I have to remind myself that, you know, maybe I'm not an imposter that, you know, this stuff doesn't go away. You learn to deal with it better. You learn to understand it better. You understand yourself better. You're more honest with yourself. And in that, you're actually growing. Um, what do you say to yourself when you have that imposter syndrome kind of creeping up? You can feel that you're, you know. Oh, I, you know, sometimes I'll, <laughs> well, I mean, it, it to be honest and I should be, you know, is, is I'll look at my work and say, well, no, you did this stuff. You know, you did do this stuff. It can't be just a mistake. You know, I try to, so I have a, I have a history that I can backtrack on and look at, you mm -hmm. know, and in the beginning, maybe if you don't have that history, I guess it, it, I don't guess it would be more difficult, but you're trying to make it. But uh, the other things, you know, that in, and well, and the other thing is I just, I just kind of say, well, on it, what I do is not so much as a, I, it, in general, I just say, well, you know, I'm just wasting my time. Hmm. I mean, it's not so easy. You don't just turn it off by doing that, but you do it, a realization that, well, this is not going to get you anywhere. You're already working at being better. You're already working at being honest with yourself to make your improvements, you know, kind of using having something negative that's not provable and, and is more insecurity um, bouncing around in your head, you know, identify it. It's negative. There's really no positive benefit from it. You know, I'm glad that people are, you know, you can be glad that you are, um, you know, you're not egotistical, you're not narcissistic or, you know, overly so and thinking everything you do is great because that's blind. That's a certain kind of blindness too. So, Part of that, actually, part of that imposter syndrome is is part of questioning yourself and questioning what you do still. Yeah. And in those in those questions are are growth. And so you so it's it's not like uh, you know you don't get rid of it completely. You don't you know you just can't dwell too much in it. Uh, obviously, because you know you won't get anything done. Um, and that's happened to me too. I mean, ideas of depression or stressful times, I, I don't actually produce more during, uh, if I'm uh, depressed or have stressful times, um, I produce less. I'm, I, you know, I'm not like a tortured artist that produces. I actually, most artists that I talk to when they are in a bleak place, they're not producing mm -hmm. after that you are kind of thing. Um, so, um, you know, through my, through my, childhood and young adult life I dealt with a serious case of OCD and just being that the case that which is obsessive compulsive disorder and, and just the case that it was actually in the 80s and 90s uh, well early 80s and up into the 90s starting in the 90s they got a better handle it's not that complicated of a of a disorder but they didn't really know what to do with it in the 80s and uh, what are the cognitive or behavioral? Um, uh, I won't go into any further, but basically it was, I had no idea. I just thought that I was totally a mess and mm -hmm. life was going to really suck. And so there was that kind of depression going on then. And I wasn't making any art. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> I wasn't I, making any art. <laughs> I totally get that. So yeah. what did you do different when you started this piece? Because this is the piece that you said really got you going, and this is the piece, first piece that you really enjoyed doing. So, and um, this is a piece that I think most of us are familiar with. This piece, it uh, yeah. it was on Spectrum, 
in the magazine. And uh, so what did you do different? Did you think about it different? Did you like sit in a different place? You know, what what was different? There are some concrete things about this and in in the process that was that was a little different. Uh Um, I was I, I did go in armed with the idea of I'm not going to fret over what this looks like through every step or what it will be when completed. I will play with the paint. I will redo brush strokes or I'll scrape away at brush strokes. I will experiment. I will see what happens. And I won't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to direct this to a certain perceived point. And this actually is true for my work to this day. I don't have something that I think it should look like uh, in my head that I work towards. I, the piece can take left hand, right hand turns, do, you know, a 360, whatever it, it's going to go where it goes. Now I do have to, of course, I do have to manage that in terms of it being for a job, but I, I let the piece grow from where it is at that moment and not direct it to be an expectation of it to be something at the end. So that's a big point right there um, is to, is to explore through the process and be open for, for changes and revisions and being willing to make changes and revisions. Um, the other part was that I did, you know, this is a very much more uh, objective uh, sense of changes. I just limited my palette. The palette on this was phthalo blue, burnt umber, probably, you know, well, white, of course, black, probably, um, and that would probably be it. There might be like a like a sienna or some maybe a earthy yellow, like a like an ochre, a little bit in there. But but basically, I I, I kept a very monochromatic palette, which kept me, which is something that I still do, uh, and even with my digital work, it, which I actually do in black and white. Uh, for the most part, I don't start adding color in until later on because color for me just is, it's another variable that throws me for a loop Mm. and I get frustrated. So if I can work monochromatically, then it's about values and shapes. And then I can explore and explore and explore with values and shapes. And it's my happy, it's my happy home. And so limiting the palette was a big, was a big deal. That's great. Um, I remember hearing Odd Nerdrum would have his students copy in black and white, you know, his paintings. Yeah, I I, I didn't know that, but that's I a lot when I I do teach some, and uh, I'm mo- a good half of the semester is about is about value and shape hmm. and composition and that. So so even nowadays, um, I'll be working things up to a pretty finished extent, not completely finished, um, but uh, I don't know, get like maybe 80% finished or something in the value stage. And then, and then I'll start adding color in color, by the way, color is just not one more variable. It's actually like three when you have hue saturation and the value of the color itself too. So it's like so many other variables, you know, to throw into this that, um, I needed to simplify. That's great. Okay. So in, for this painting, if um, if I summarize, the key thing was is you you limited the problems you were solving. You went into it and you decided, you know, I'm just going to play. And you committed to, you know, the process of just, you know, playing. And yes. and that's something that I, I heard you say earlier too because you were talking about how um, how you deal with that imposter syndrome. And one of the things I heard you say is, you know, at a certain point you just realize you're wasting time. Because you're committed to the process of creating. Like, what are you going to do? Are you going to, you know, go get right. an executive job now? Like, the point is, is you're going to be an artist. That's it. So stop wasting my time with doubt. Right. Yeah. But, That's very good. I like the way you put it, too, in terms of, like, what are you going to do? Go get a – be an accountant? <laughs> no. Gonna, nothing against accountants, but but not, not for me. I wouldn't – you know, so it's – you – and this, a lot of this is it comes with years and maturity, and you know, uh, everything is newer and scarier when you're when you're younger because of its newness. And uh, and after dealing with this, you know, over the years, you kind of you, you see a pattern, you understand a pattern, and you 
you might even have a little bit more willpower to be a little bit more honest with yourself about, you know, these, you know, certain aspects with it. And it's not like honest with myself, like I suck. That's, that's not it. It's more honest about what, why you have this fear, you know, and what is this fear? It's, it's probably more of an insecurity or, or a hesitation for some reason. Mm -hmm. And why are you hesitating uh, about it? Cause there's other reasons for those hesitations and fears that it's not, it's not like I suck. It's, it's other stuff. And being able to kind of look at yourself and address those things will just send you down the road to, you know, making art again. That's great. And I was thinking, you know, you've probably seen some artists come in, be really strong and burn out, you know, because you've been um, you've been teaching for a bit. You've been in the illustration industry. And so what do you think it, an artist really needs to do to, to be successful and not? burnout or just you know eventually go back to flipping burgers or or become that accountant you know maybe right you've seen people do that i, I certainly have well i think it, it you know it, this would definitely depend on on that artist but uh, I, ones that i've that i've seen that have been incredibly talented they kind of come in burning bright and early yeah. And and I and I think and I'm I'm not sure, but I, you know, a theory on it is that I think it might be too easy um, for them, um, and that that they're not working at it. They they can't have a an appreciation, uh, I think, for maybe even the excitement and the appreciation for growth and development and getting better. You know, there's something about when you get better and you do another job and you're, you can tell, you know, uh, in your, your own growth and it's looking better. There's something incredibly exciting and addictive about that. And having to work for something makes it that much more important to you. If you're not having to work for something, it's so much easier to just like, you know, throw it aside. Yeah. And I don't mean to, to disparage anybody that, that just kind of burned out on, on art or anything like that, you know, cause it, that would be sad in itself, but maybe coming too easy uh, and losing interest um, or not having that because it was easy. There wasn't really a drive behind it in the first place. So a lot of the a lot of good artists that I know, it is it wasn't particularly just easy for them. There's a lot of drive and working at it and, and a lot of passion about about getting better and painting mm -hmm. and um, and learning. And I think that's a very important part. So the idea that some of us might feel insecure about not being like, you know, right out of Zeus's head, you know, fully formed that, you know, that's what we're supposed to be. But I, I don't actually think that is. And you have heard, and there's a lot of truth in, in the saying of, you know, genius is 99% perspiration and 1% inspiration. Um, so that perspiration. That's where I'm living. <laughs> not, saying, not saying I'm a genius. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that I'm working at the, I'm still working at the perspiration. Part. <laughs> That's great. I remember reading something from Bo Bartlett, the, the painter. Yeah, and, I know, um, yeah, I love his work actually. I do too, guys. So beautiful. And um, one of the, he said that his sister was actually a better uh, draftsman. She was a better artist than he was when they were growing up. Uh, but you know, she didn't. She didn't take it anywhere. Um, but he, you know, this became something that was really important for him to grow, to get better, to to achieve right. something there. And then, you know, of course, look where it's landed him. You know? I believe that, and I, I'm sure you've shown your students his work uh, since you mentioned them because he's it's, it's really beautiful, fascinating work. And I, I like it. it. There's a certain mood to it that's, you know, it's it's re there's it's not photorealism, it's naturalism or realism, but it's but it's got something else to it, mysterious, which I really like. Um, but uh, it's you know um, often saying Greg Manchester is uh, not a he he's not an advocate of of the, uh, the the idea of talent, like oh you have talent, like you were born with talent. He he doesn't think that that is it, and I have to agree with him. Uh, in, in my thoughts on it, because people weren't going to be saying, well, you know, originally, as I said, my teachers weren't saying that, you know, you have this amazing talent. But I think what happens, what creativity or, or what we might be calling talent is, is, is an interest, 
right? So you're interested, very interested. You're then you're also passionate about that interest. Mm. So you're going to spend that time looking and developing and wanting to do things about that interest. And then you're also and also and not hopefully not a too unhealthy of a way. You're you're slightly obsessed. And so all of those things pooling together have you working at something and practicing something and practicing something. And art, by the way, really, really can relate to practice and training the same way that you do with sports. There's, you know, I think we don't think of it that way. I think we do at times as if we draw more from life, we'll get better. But it really is like that. Practice more. The more you, you run, you know, a little bit and practice and train smart and look at other things and eat right or whatever, you're going to run farther faster. And the same thing with art is, is a matter of getting there, practicing. And, um, and, you know, and that is a nice concrete objectified way of getting better. Um, yeah, that's and great. Sometimes it just seems mysterious to us, but that part isn't. It can be more mysterious when we start talking about personal voice. Um, of course, because it's so very subjective and comes with life lived and maturity and, you know, it, it is always developing. But Yeah. And Bo Bartlett's a good one for that because you said he has that mystery. And then if you look at it, some of his paintings, you can see he's pulling straight from early American, um, what do they call it, nativism? Uh, yeah, regionalism. Regionalism. Uh, like, like, Grant, like Grant Wood. Uh -huh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's a good point. I, I didn't think of that before, but that's a very pertinent point. Yeah. If you think Thomas Hart Benton, Grant Wood, uh -huh. and uh, those are the two that I know, uh, like the regionalists, but yeah. And going back even further, I remember there was a, is like the, one of the, some of the first painters in America, there was one um, scene of Bose where he's got this um, woman holding a uh, handkerchief and all these people behind her. And there's a similar um, painting of a guy in a raft, uh, or, and they're doing the same kind of thing. But he's got this oh, yeah. um, early, very early American – ah, George Bingham, actually, Bingham. Um, oh. so we're talking like 1830. Right. right. And, I'll uh, have to look that one up. I'm not familiar yeah, with that. I forget what they call it. Um, it's before regionalism because it was after – Thomas Hart Benton was uh, a bit after that. Um, right. Yeah, he was, uh, he was in the – uh, maybe 30s and 40s, I yeah. think. Yeah. yeah. So, and, um, um, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say. So the this idea of uh, of of finding your voice of this mystery, I think, is something that really permeates what we do, and it, even in the CG world. So when I hear you talk, I hear you talk a lot about like there's this uncertainty. There's a lot of you want to discover. If you found it then it's already done, right? You're not interested anymore. Like you're interested in the discovery process. Right. But I, I never, well, I, there is, there could be theoretically that danger, but I never really feel like I've discovered something and completely, you mm -hmm. know, and figured it out. I, I, that I never have that, uh, you know, I get like slight successes or, you know, partly, you know, uh, you know, partial successes or something in, in the exploration. So it's never, it, it hasn't been a problem of say, setting forth a task and discovering and figuring it out and then needing to move on. It hasn't been that linear uh, for me. Yeah. But there is like, for you, you find joy in the uncertainty of things as opposed to, you know, somebody who might find joy in the, the certainty. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's a very good point too. I, I, well, I had to, <laughs> I think I trained myself or at least tried to convince myself that there can be joy in the uncertainty, uh, at least in the art process, you know, um, uh, that because it was going to be there. And otherwise, if, if I didn't, you know, embrace the, that uncertainty in the, in the, in the, you know, and find a joy in that, then I was going to be avoiding making art. Mm -hmm. So I guess, and so it is, you know, we're not all the same. So there might be other things in the process that, that cause you guys to, to hesitate or um, to procrastinate and, and asking yourself what that, it may not just be one thing either, of course, but you know, what that is. By the way, a, a, a person, a, a friend of mine talked to me about, we talked about procrastination and, and oftentimes we think of it as laziness, uh -huh. but, um, 
It's not. Procrastination is is a resistance. There's a resistance to doing something. What is that resistance? And asking yourself that, you know, fear, uh, schedules, time, something else that you should be doing first, or you think, or you think it'll expose you to. Well, fear can cover so many different things, right? In terms of my ability, or you know, if I don't do this well, then how do I make a living? And or all across the board, or totally. my self worth is all t tied up in this. But so fear is a big sure. one that encompasses a lot. But but asking yourself what that is in in your process. Um, you know, maybe fear is getting lost in the process. You know, I am okay with getting lost in the process. Uh, maybe you are not, and that's part of it. But so asking yourself, instead of saying I procrastinate, I'm lazy, is I procrastinate because there's resistance. What is that resistance? Mm -hmm. That's great. I remember a um, moment I had a, an artist who, in the early days of starting the company, I had a, an artist come and stay with me for a while. He's going through some personal stuff, and um, and I was watching him work, and uh, you know I was like all in. I was in my um, business brain at that point. You know, there's like a twenty thousand things I had to do, and I had to teach, and I had to make sure you know everything was flowing correctly. And um, so I'm over here in one room creating these tutorials and this artwork, and you know everything's like you know very achievement focused. There's no breaks. You know, try to get everything done in 15 minutes, change your energy, do it again, do it again. And then I'd come out of the room and I'd see my friend and he'd be like alternating between TV and the um, and uh, and working on some sculpt. And I'm yeah. thinking to myself, like, how'd this guy get so good? He's the laziest bastard I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> what the hell is going on with this guy? But then at the end of the day, his work was was like 20 times better than mine, you know, because he's yeah. chill. Yep, he's relaxed with it, and and it, there, that's definitely a big part of it. He's chill with it, and and the other, there is a thing in, in terms of creative work. You you can you were doing a different kind of work at that time, and mm -hmm. and if he was doing that kind of work, he you know you you stick to it, and there's hours of it. But creative work when you're in the middle of it is ta is actually incredibly taxing, um, and you maybe three hours at a stent is you know is good but not much more it's not to say that you don't just work three hours a day but you the the creative stuff that's you're you know you're fretting you're working you're exploring and you know hopefully having fun not just fretting but but in doing that you know you can get pretty burned out in three hours you need to take a break and a lot of a lot of there's a lot to be said about the the zoning out time um half a sleep time even watching TV time, especially TV that you're just zoning out on, yeah. they say because it gives your mind a break to expand, and you're actually still actually thinking about the things you're doing a little bit going on in there. What if I do this? What if I add this? What if I do this? Yeah. If you give yourself the room to reflect on what you're doing by also giving yourself, you know, some recuperation time, and you come back for another two hours or something like that, or you, you could do busy work, you know, you, you could do the business work, you know, because that's a different kind of, you know, mental uh, work that you're doing, not, it, not just the creative work, you know, so, um, but, but bouncing around and giving yourself a chance to reflect on what you're doing and zone out is actually very important uh, in the creative process. Yeah, that's great. There's this great book by, um, I think it's Daniel Coyle called Talent Code. I think it was the book Talent Code. I've written, I've read a few, so I'm a little fuzzy on which is which. But he talks about this one snowboarder. Oh, no, it was Rise of the Superman by somebody else. And um, he talks about this um, snowboarder who's like lives in where they're training for the Olympics, and there's all these skiers training for the Olympics there. And, um, and he's a, he does, just off to the side of the main slope where everybody's training, he goes in and he pulls off this, like, um, I think it's a five axis. It's a five time 360 um, kind of stunt. He's just sitting there doing this, doing this, doing this. And he pulls off this stunt that none of the people training for the Olympics can do. And he's not training for the Olympics. He's just some dude. He's alternating between his, his um, going out there having fun and then, you know, getting stoned and right. <laughs> you know, sitting on the couch right. and that's right. what he does. But he goes off and he achieves this massive physical achievement that people who are waking up at six and eating two eggs in the morning, you know, they're not able to achieve. Right. 
it, there is, there is, um, you know, physical, the physical abilities can be, you know, a little bit different than the creative ones in terms of, you know, when we, when we come to ability, someone, someone is taller than me or something like that, but that this is more of a creative and practice thing, but also being relaxed with it. So actually finding his joy in it, not performing in a sense, he's performing for him to enjoy it. And in that joy and in that work, in that relaxed state, he's able to, you know, experiment, you know, with his body and the feel and, and push things. And he's not trying to impress someone else. Now with art, there's, that's another big one is we're constantly, it's part of the game is you want to work for a company and you want to be an illustrator or whatever it is. You want to impress other people. You want yeah. people to like it, of course. But when you start working, when, when that voice is in the back of your head about like, I need to practice to get better so that people will look at this and not think I'm, you know, a uh, imposter, and that that can get in the way. That is, a, that's one of those voiceovers, you know, you're from your left temporal lo lobe that really gets in the way of enjoying a creative process, and and can it's all kinds of all kinds of shutdown can happen with that in terms of frustration because you're doing it for the wrong reason, um, and so you you know, in doing it for the wrong reason, you know, you you can get better and do things, but the idea of doing it for you, that's why I'm just so much about this whole idea of playing with the art and enjoying the process. And so in doing it for you, you will, you'll, for one thing, you'll just love what you're doing. Why take something you loved what you're doing and wanted, you know, wanted to learn how to do better to make a living at it and then all of a sudden make it more of a job. Yes. And then, you know, so, you know, why do that? So, learn to still love what you're doing you you of course i want people to like what i do it's still there but i that's one of those things it's kind of like i realize that that voice is stronger at times and when it does get stronger it makes me it makes me hesitate it makes me procrastinate it makes me get frustrated it makes me second guess each breaststroke i'm putting down mm. and i don't want to do that i mean you shouldn't do that you don't get anywhere with that N nothing happens so you have to identify it trying i mean Sometimes I'm better and sometimes I'm not very good at, you know, calming it down. But the, the, the first step is identifying that, you know, oh, you know, why am I doing, what, what am I doing this for? Why am I stressed? I'm trying to impress. And, um, but we see with that, with that, with that snowboarder, and I think that that his performance and what he's doing is indicative of him doing it for himself. Hmm. Yeah. That's great. So what do you think are the, um, the mistakes that artists make uh, when they're thinking about their career and they're thinking about whether or not they're going to be able to actually do this, what do you think are just some of the mistakes that they make in terms of the mental game? Because we spend a lot of time talking about the mental game, which which I personally think is the more important game. Um, but what are the mistakes right. that you think people make starting out? Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I will explore this, but I'm not I'm – not... I'm drawing a blank right now. Mm -hmm. Some of the mistakes I think, um, like one of them well, we're thinking the is, yeah, go for it. Well, the mental game is 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 worried whether I can do this. I think oddly, even with my own insecurities, I had I had this kind of ignorance, a sense of like, yes, I can do this. And in the very beginning, I mean, I had. I just wanted to be able to get some work and, you know, and I wasn't, you know, I think I'm, I'm glad in the beginning, I wasn't thinking I would be, you know, reasonably well known for what I'm doing, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, you know, so it was more like, I just need to get better so that I could get a job here or there and, and, you know, start making a living kind of thing. So I, you know, so, there was that, and there was also that kind of willful, blissful ignorance of like, sure, I can do this, <laughs> and staying with it. Uh, you know, I, I, of course, there was other self doubts going on with it, but I think just plowing ahead, plowing ahead, and doing it um, was. But you know, I'm, I'm I haven't seen the thing is I don't I'm not maybe not in tune enough with what's going on in the industry and, and people finding work or not finding work that I think is the mistake. 
possibly and this I could step on some toes here I would I it's in the industry is say like the game industry um, when there is maybe not understand the gaming and movie or the concept uh, let's say the concept uh, the previs and uh, uh, part of the industry that there is a lot of this is what's out there and this is what they'll want to see and there's and there's going to be a repetition of 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 style and work and look and that and in doing that that kind of makes you a dime a dozen mm -hmm. instead of instead of you know more of the the shiny penny that stands out um, and you so that that's one thing um, the other the other would be not not understanding the concept industry you know in full that a lot of the representation is more flashy uh, than the reality of the the teamwork and the 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 grunt work of you know everybody working on something pulling that together having the meeting and editing these things out going back and in the same day and revising under you know with the art direction and that it's not you know it's not all Craig Mullins looking, you know, illustration kind of right. things, yeah. and uh, and understanding that, you know, you know, and maybe your portfolio of just finding work in the beginning isn't, you know, if you don't have that sense of reality of of the work situation, uh, that would be that would be another one. But I haven't, um, I haven't. Uh, the only other thing I see if someone in terms of maybe trying to find book cover work and their portfolio is just not up there yet but but I also sense a kind of resistance in the person for change mm -hmm. where they're still thinking no this is I mean they're not being that belligerent but you can tell there's still a resistance of like no this should be good enough this is good enough you know but they're not but they're not getting work and they're not making those changes um, you know and in that that would be one of them, but I don't, that mentality, I mean, I've even had that mentality when I was younger kind of thing is like, well, this should be good enough, you know, why not? Yeah. Um, but it's, but it's not. And then being able to, being able to change, being able to say, okay, I'm not good enough yet, you know, and, 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 and not, well, you don't just sit here. Okay. I will change, but go back and practice more and try and do things a little bit differently. Yeah, but I'm a little. I'm coming up a little short on any other mistakes. You have. You have anything in mind? No, that was great. You know, the the idea of being too tight and and um. So for me, you know, the the key takeaway from this has been this concept of exploration and discovery is kind of one of the core foundational um, uh, processes for your work. I I can also, in the, just briefly show you. Yeah. Um, because in terms of that idea of the exploration, because mm -hmm. I know that you do so much with uh, ZBrush too, is that yeah. this was a big one for me in finding a new joy was the ZBrush. And it was, I actually, it was more, I loved making things in ZBrush that then I started, but then th that I decided to start using them to help with illustrations. Mm. Um, so that was another, you know, finding something you're interested in exploring it finding a passion sitting there and you know delving into you know the depths of whatever you know th this was another you know it was another kind of renaissance of the idea of 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 art and um so it was for the illustrations but it was also for the process of making um in in 3d mm-hmm and uh and that was important so it was um i just thought i didn't know um it was one of those things that you guys are so in, uh, involved with i'm not like the best no, i do okay it's just it's more for the the reference and well there was the the waves and stuff oh cool for her yeah um these things you know putting them together you can maybe recognize some of the the illustrations uh playing around so it was another experiment in playing around because this is actually the tractor pieces and then playing around with certain rendering and certain stylistic effects that way leading to other ideas of things that these grouping of deers and the in that the um cartoon 
uh, Shader and, and Keyshot and playing mm -hmm. with transparency and overlap is leading to other things and ideas for me for personal work as well. And these are these are like uh, also references for professional work, the uh, sideshow toys, the Scientific American, things from me, yeah, et cetera. So, um, that was, you know, I just to throw that in, in terms of that exploration of, you know, you know, always, you know, it's, there's always something, uh, uh, you know, on the horizon. That's, yeah, that's amazing. It's wonderful to see that. And it actually makes me wonder about your compositions, like how you start to develop, what's the process for developing these? Because some of these compositions that you have are just very um, unique and very, there's a strong abstract, um, there's a strong shape presence to them. It is, uh, it, I mean, I love composition. So it, it's thinking a lot about the flow of the placement, the flow and the way the eye moves around. It's, it's actually not that literal as I'm doing it. It's more like I start sketching and developing and putting things down and, and as they, um, they can, but the, the thumbnails, uh, so I do have, um, some of these thumbnailing process, you know, which is, you know, you're not going to nail down the composition completely in a thumbnail, but you're, you're getting an idea of, you know, placement and shape, but, um, but they're mostly just for me to, to read, you know, uh, these are all ske sketchy thumbnails and, uh, you know, so some are very sketchy and some with a little bit of computer stuff added in and then later on I'll develop some more, uh, computer stuff. And so, but I'm still, I mean, you're just seeing these things as individuals, but all of it is like move this here, make this bigger, make this smaller, change this angle on that because, you know, I'm, it, there's a, an intuitive feel to, but the intuitive comes from practice, practice, practice and, and doing things. And, uh, but so I'm just constantly kind of adjusting and that's why I love playing in with just value because it is just about the, the core essence of shape and value and that all becomes you know components of composition from the get-go yeah so these are the explorations all for one particular uh cover now i don't normally do this many but this one had a bunch of explorations uh and then you hit on a certain idea that that will could lead to another idea where this the uh this barker character with the burning footprints and the on the hill and then the, the factory building that plays a role in the background, but then switching that. And, you know, there he is kind of, you know, this idea of the big hill and the factory on top and him, him at the bottom, the way he's, you know, with it'd be, you can really tell, but burning footprints and other kinds of things, maybe ghosted into the landscape, uh, changing those things in terms of overlap, move the horizon line down. These are all things that I'm, doing I'm doing on purpose I'm like well maybe if I make the, the factory bigger and move the horizon line down I can have the Barker character a little bit bigger and overlap you know m you know more of the the building and maybe go into the sky and so oh. thus going to this so moving it around and you know micro adjusting you know foot the, the trail of the, the burning footprints, his pose. I mean, I, then I would work on his pose a bit or the shape of the buildings in the factory because that's all important. Um, that the idea of mirroring shapes, like this is like the, the path, the footpath going off this way, but then also the smoke trails going off that way. Uh, but that, I don't do that right on purpose in the beginning. I might start with something and then you feel like something needs to go in a certain direction. It's probably because intuitively you're seeing other stronger directional forces and it, you know, mirroring would be better than uh, the same. Like if it went in an angle up and to the right and this one in an angle up and to the right, it might just feel kind of static. Yeah. Um, so again, still, you know, working it out, what's his pose, variations on that. And that was the finished piece. You know, um, so that process of, um, of, of, um, and I'm sorry, I, I got, I went off a tangent. Your, your original question was about, um, developing the composition and, and, and it is, it, it develops through the piece too. I would have changed up, even though 
there'd be a black and white of this version that I'm not showing here. They were close, but not uh -huh. exactly this version, but it changed. Like the building would have changed a little bit. The sky, the, the smoke changed, uh, you know, his hand or the lighting on him, or maybe the scale of him for sure would have changed. Probably I would have made him, maybe he was too small. So I decided to make him bigger. You know, that will all change even though, even during the process of the more advanced process of adding color in, you know, um, nothing is set in stone. And whatever's going to look better and feel better, it's, you know, it's still plastic throughout. That's awesome. Yeah, that answers the question quite well. John, again, man, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you guys um, for inviting me. I appreciate it. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Okay, and uh, great, great, great questions. Great. Okay. Thank you. All right. Well, take care of yourself. Okay. You too. All right. See you guys. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. And I want to ask just two things of you. Number one, make sure to leave a comment or rank this wherever you are listening to it on Apple, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. It really makes a difference in helping us get the word out about this industry and about what we do. Number two, make sure you visit vertexschool.com to learn more about what programs we offer in this area as a creative and for artists who are looking to jumpstart their career and discover a new industry. Again, thank you so much for listening. We're accepting applications right now, so I look forward to hearing from you soon.